Good morning, race fans. Welcome to Indy 500 Sunday. Uh, in the church year, it's the 11th Sunday after Trinity, but uh, this is a little bit of a worshipful day for some people. So uh, good to have you with us today. Uh, we are studying, or I introduced last week, Luther's essay that he wrote entitled, Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. And just a little bit of background, I covered this last week, but if you're new here this week or new uh, with us online, um, the, the bubonic plague known as Black Death uh, hit Europe right around 1350. And um, it wiped out at least a third of the population up to 60% because they didn't keep records like we do today. Um, I mean, it was, it was devastating. So, uh, so just so you know, what we are currently experiencing with COVID um, <laughs> is a drop in the bucket compared to what has happened before. And I'm not going to get into the figures and stats. You can look at that stuff uh, online. Um, but uh, there was a reoccurrence then. What happened with uh, the, the bubonic plague is there were, there were pockets that would pop up even hundreds of years later. And so in 1527, so that's about 170 years later, there was a reoccurrence of the bubonic plague there in Wittenberg. And um, uh, Luther's uh, guy that was in charge of him, Elector John Frederick, actually ordered Luther to leave Wittenberg, to flee, um, to go away from wherever it was. And um, Luther chose not to. Um, he wrote in his essay, and we covered a little bit of that last week, and we're going to finish it up today, that when one has a duty to serve their neighbor, they need to stay and do their duty because God has called them to do that. Um, and not everybody has not everybody has those same responsibilities. And so he had another pastor that wrote to him and said, "You know, is it is it okay for us to flee the plague or to leave Wittenberg? You know, uh, to go shelter in place somewhere else." And so Luther wrote this article, and uh, and and I decided to use this because I think it's, it's very fitting with what we're dealing with now, with the questions that you might have uh, and, and what's going on as well. Um, Luther chose to stay, um, and uh, his wife Katie was also pregnant. She also chose to stay, um, and they obviously uh, survived and, uh, and lived through that. Um, and so he kind of talks um, on two sides. One is that there is freedom for those who would certainly shelter in place um, and that don't have authority. Um, and then on the other hand, for those that are called to do their duty, they, they should do that. But the one thing we're going to get into with the last part of the paper today is that he encourages all the Christians to not neglect God's word and sacraments. So Luther never closed the church. He continued to uh, preach and teach and administer the Lord's Supper, um, while at the same time saying, you know, uh, if you know, you're sick, you know, shelter in place, quarantine, all that stuff. Um, so some very good practical words from Dr. Luther as well. Okay, any questions from last week before we pick up on our study for today? Uh, we're on page four, and this would be the uh, right-hand column, the first full paragraph, which begins, when anyone is overcome. Seeing no questions, let's begin with a word of prayer. The Lord be with you. Almighty and everlasting God, always more ready to hear than we to pray, and to give more than we either desire or deserve, pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things that we are not worthy to ask. 
except through the merits and mediation of Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We pick up on page four, right-hand column, first full paragraph. When anyone is overcome by horror and repugnance in the presence of a sick person, he should take courage and strength in the firm assurance that it is the devil who stirs up such abhorrence, fear, and loathing in his heart. He is such a bitter, knavish devil that he not only unceasingly tries to slay and kill, but also takes delight in making us deathly afraid, worried, and apprehensive, so that we should regard dying as horrible and have no rest or peace all through our life. Okay? Um, yeah. <laughs> Luther kind of says that directly probably where we need it to go. Um, so there's a lot of uh, mask shaming that's still going on, you know, that sort of thing, um, and, and, and thoughts maybe that have crept in your mind, you know, one way or the other when you see people, you know, are they washing their hands, you know, what are they touching? I mean, you, just, you can just go crazy. I'm not even going to list those things out. You can go crazy, literally kill yourself with worry and fear about what if, what if, what if, what if, and the devil loves to do that. So the devil loves to create a worry and, and fear for you. It's not that we ignore science or common sense, and Luther's already talked about that, and he's going to continue to talk about that, okay? It's that for us as Christians, there, there's a balance. And ultimately, our trust uh, is that our life is hidden with Christ, uh, and that God has already numbered our days. Does not Scripture say that? And so you cannot lengthen nor shorten your life. Think about that as well. That's a whole different side to some of what you'll hear from culture and society, okay? Um, and so by faith, we trust those words, uh, while at the same time, being faithful as God has asked us to be, to authorities, whoever that may be. Um, Luther con uh, continues here. And so the devil would excrete us out of this life as he tries to make us despair of God, become unwilling and unprepared to die, and under the stormy and dark sky of fear and anxiety make us forget and lose Christ, our light and life, and desert our neighbor in his troubles. We would sin thereby against God and man. That would be the devil's glory and delight, because we know that it is the devil's game to induce such fear and dread, we should in turn minimize it, take such courage as to spite and annoy him, and send those terrors right back to him. And we should arm ourselves with this answer to the devil. Get away, you devil, with your terrors. Just because you hate it, I'll spite you by going the more quickly to help my sick neighbor. I'll pay no attention to you. I've got two heavy blows to use against you. The first one is that I know that helping my neighbor is a deed well-pleasing to God and all the angels. By this deed, I do God's will and render true service and obedience to him. All the more so because if you hate it and are so strongly opposed to it, it must be particularly acceptable to God. I'll do this readily and gladly if I could please only one angel who might look with the light on it. But now that it pleases my Lord Christ and the whole heavenly host, because it is the will and command of God my Father, then how could any fear of you cause me to spoil such joy in heaven or such delight for my Lord? Or how could I, by flattering you, give you and your devils in hell reason to mock and laugh at me? No, you'll not have the last word. If Christ shed his blood for me and died for me, why should I not expose myself to some small dangers for his sake and disregard this feeble plague? <laughs> this plague was not feeble, by the way, right? But, but, but listen, listen to how Luther does. Now, for some of you, you're like, oh my goodness, Luther's off his rocker here. Okay? But if you read this whole essay, it's, it's very well balanced. Okay. 
Uh, no, you'll not have the last word. If Christ shed his blood for me and died for me, why should I not expose myself to some small dangers for his sake and disregard the feeble plague? If you can terrorize, Christ can strengthen me. You might want to underline that. Okay. So when, when the devil terrorizes us, God's work, Christ's work, is, is the opposite. Okay. So, so Scripture talks about being abased in this way, being brought low. So when the devil, the world, and our sinful nature bring us low, the Lord's desire is even through such things to build us up. In the same way that uh, Joseph, uh, when he spoke to his brothers, the ones who had uh, uh, thrown him into a pit, told his dad it was dead, sold him into slavery, and when he finally meets with them later on, he's all grown up and he's a prince of Egypt, okay? What does he say? That which you intended for evil, God brought about for my good. And so a Christian in faith always trusts that no matter what befalls us, okay, no matter how dastardly, how evil, how horrible it is, God will use that ultimately for our good, okay? And we can't always understand that right when that's happening, when we're in the midst of, of, of shock and awe, of anger. You know, you go through all the stages of grief, okay? So when we experience whether death of loved ones or sudden accidents, things out of our control, or perhaps even just stupid things we've done and we're bearing the result of it, okay, the Lord promises that he will provide a way out for us. And that's a great comfort to a Christian, okay, great comfort. Questions or comments? Okay. Should not my dear Christ with his precepts, his kindness, and all his encouragement be more, encouragement be more important in my spirit than you, roguish devil, with your false terrors in my weak flesh? So what or who should be the most important for a Christian? God's Word. God's promises, right? And, and, and God Himself. God forbid. Get away, devil. Here is Christ, and here am I, His servant in this work. Let Christ prevail. Amen. Can I get an amen? Ah, oh, there's a few Baptists out there. Okay. The second blow against the devil is God's mighty promise by which He encourages those who minister to the needy. He says in Psalm 41, and read it with me, Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. The Lord will bless him on earth and not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed. In his illness, he will heal all his infirmities." So are not these glorious and mighty promises of God heaped up upon those who minister to the needy? What should terrorize us or frighten us away from such great and divine comfort? The service we can render to the needy is indeed such a small thing in comparison with God's promises and rewards that St. Paul says to Timothy, read it with me, Godliness is of value in every way, and it holds promise both for the present life and for the life to come. So godliness is nothing else but service to God. Service to God is indeed service to our neighbor. It is proved by experience that those who nurse the sick with love, devotion, and sincerity are generally protected. Though they are poisoned, they are not harmed. As the psalmist says, quote, In his illness you heal all his infirmities. That is, you change his bed of sickness into a bed of health. A person who attends a patient because of greed with the expectation of inheritance or some personal advantage in such services, should not be surprised if eventually he is infected, disfigured, or even dies before he comes into possession of that estate or inheritance. 
But whoever serves the sick for the sake of God's gracious promise, though he may accept a suitable reward to which he is entitled, inasmuch as every laborer is worthy of his hire, whoever does so has the great assurance that he shall in turn be cared for. God himself shall be his attendant and his physician too. And what an attendant he is. What a physician. Friend, what are all the physicians, apothecaries, pharmacists, and attendants in comparison to God? Should that not encourage one to go and serve a sick person, even though he might have as many contagious boils on him as hairs on his body, and though he might be bent double carrying a hundred plague-ridden bodies? What do all kinds of pestilence or devils mean over against God, who binds and obliges himself to be our attendant and physician? So what's Luther teaching you here? Is he telling you to ignore science and facts? No, he's not. What's he teaching you here? Your, okay, your neighbor. So God and neighbor. So faith in God, service for the neighbor. But faith in God means what? So when we talk about first commandment, you shall have no other gods, what does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in your doctor, your prescription, your mask. I mean, fill in the blank. So we can, we can develop for ourselves any number of idols whereby we place and find a sense of well-being and security, but for a Christian... True security and well-being is never going to be anywhere, anywhere else than, than God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, again, it's not that we ignore those other things. It's not, it's not that we, we, we tempt God, and he's going to talk about that too, right? Um, but our faith is such that we trust that our physician <laughs> is not, whoever your personal physician is, is that it's God first and foremost. Okay? And that's why Luther in his other writings, if you've read much of Luther, he talks, he talks about the masks of God. So everyone in their vocation now is, is you know, God is working through them. Okay? Um, so in some sense, we see God present in fill in the blank. The person who, um, I had a really nice person at Lowe's yesterday that checked me out. Normally, they just kind of scan everything and, you know, you know, paper, emailed receipt. And this person was just so friendly, and it was kind of annoying. And at the same time, I was like, that was kind of refreshing. I was kind of having a, you know, just kind of a difficult day, and, and they just were just so polite, and it was just kind of a little breath of fresh air, right? I didn't mention anything about Jesus or anything like that, but God works through means, God will even work through unbelievers. I don't know anything about that person's face. They, they, they might be a member here and I haven't met them yet. I haven't seen them, but, uh, well, they had a mask on. It was hard to tell, but you know where I'm going with that. So God works through people, both believers and unbelievers alike, to bring about his will, okay, and to serve you. Um, and so what a, what a wonderful assurance for us uh, that, that God is there, okay? Questions or comments? Yes, ma'am. Okay, say that, say that one more time. He does. Yeah, he kind of does say that in the sense that if you're doing something for the wrong motivation, the Lord is not going to bless you for that or is not going to bring about good things, you know, when you, when you do things for the wrong reason. You know, so in, in one sense, it's a dose of reality, right, that we shouldn't just do whatever we want 
and think of situations we've had with our own boys, since I'm talking to my wife, right? Uh, that if you fail to follow the rules or do your chores, should you expect to receive some of the same blessings if you do them? No. Matter of fact, what do we do? We take away things like video games, okay? Um, and so that's what Luther is saying is that he does discipline us. And that's a word that Scripture says. The Lord disciplines us as his children. And so um, now that's all here in this life. The danger, of course, is that we would continue down that path and ultimately reject him. Okay, which I don't think any Christian sets out in making a bad decision to do that, right? That, oh, all of a sudden now I don't believe anything and I reject God. I think that's probably more of a gradual process. But knowing the, seeing the look on your face and knowing you as my wife, I don't think uh, Luther or I have answered your question. Yes. That's a, if you do something bad, she said, then you should expect something bad to happen. And I would say in the sense of um, repercussions for your sin, okay? Keep going. Let's talk this through. This is, a, this, is a good, this is a good question. That's our reality. Yeah. But you are, you are, you are spoil it for the late service people. You are two things at what time? You are, you are saint and sinner. That's the simile. And so the good things that you do, um, who does them? Christ does. The Holy Spirit does. Who does good works through you? The Holy Spirit does. Right? That's why Paul says it's not, not I. The good I want to do, I don't do. The bad that I want to do, I keep on doing. Paul's talking about the simile here, okay, about the saint and the sinner. Okay? Now, for the, the sinner cannot be reformed. You cannot say to the sinner, you know, do this, this, and this, and this, and you, you will be blessed. The sinner needs to die. And so for the sinner in you, and then that's where you have daily death through your baptism, for the saint now, the Lord will yet preserve and bless and bring about good things. Okay? Um, but that becomes kind of the, the conundrum, if you will, the sticky wicket, as <laughs> Dr. Daigle used to say, uh, that, that we have living in this life, and we really, we really struggle with that. So in one sense, does God still, oh, let's go down this path because we kind of are. Does God still punish sin here and now? In the sense that there are repercussions to sin. Okay? If you do something wrong, you should expect to be punished. Is God at work doing that? Yes. Does God give the authority of the sword to the civil government? To even put somebody to death, to wage war, to lock up in jail, to take away goods, homes, house, possessions. God gives that authority, okay? Um, so it, it, it's, it's a both and, okay? Pastor Grady has had his chicken wing in the air for a few minutes. So for those listening to us, Pastor Grady, I'm sorry, they can't, they can't hear your question uh, online. Um, so if you're serving, for example, a widow, but you're doing it because you want to uh, uh, receive the inheritance from the widow as opposed to just helping her because she needs help, Okay, now finish the rest of that. Your motive is sinful. And so really it's a question then of a matter of, of and keep in mind, everything flows out of our hearts, right? All manner of sin, Scripture talks about that. Right. 
Right. And Luther's not saying that that necessarily is, happens all the time. Don't be surprised when it does. Okay, I mean, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. How often do we see unbelievers and, and uh, <laughs> I mean, we're all sinners, but people who live such and such a life, you know, and all of a sudden they're rolling in cash and jobs and just everything always works out. Okay, and to keep in mind, the devil also is at work in this life, right? So the devil has some control, not more than God allows him to have in this life as well. Okay, Mr. Bussing, you had your hand up too? Right. So, so good summary. So Luther's not saying that bad things will necessarily happen all the time, but don't be surprised when they do. Okay? Uh, and, the, and the Lord will, and I will, I will speak for Luther a little bit, but that's part of the discipline that God is at work doing as well for us as children when he allows those things to befall us, but ultimately it will be for our good. Okay? Any other questions or comments? Good question. Are we good? Are we going to talk for an hour or two later this afternoon? Okay, all right. Okay, uh, where am I at here? Am I all the way on the next paragraph? Let me just start over. We already read, uh, okay, godliness. Okay, godliness is nothing else but service to God. Service to God is indeed service to our neighbor. It is proved by experience that those who nurse the sick with love, devotion, sincerity are generally protected. Though they are poisoned, they are not harmed. As the psalmist says, read it with me, in his illness you heal all his infirmities. That is, you change the bed of sickness into a bed of health. Now keep in mind this is, this is twofold. Okay, God promises that, that the healing of your sickness um, may not be here, it may be where? Right, and so that's why one of the things, especially with we as pastors pray with people before surgery, uh, we work really hard on always praying, thy will be done. I mean, what's our desire? We want this surgery to be successful. We want this person to be restored to health, okay? But we also trust what? God might have a different plan. Okay? A plan we may not like. Let me make sure that's clear. Because we face death all day long. And so we have to be very careful not to run away from death. Okay? Or when we pray, you know, Lord, please you know, grant this. And he doesn't grant it. And then the first thing the sinner in you does is throw up your hands. God doesn't love me anymore. My prayers weren't answered. Well, yes, they were. He's given you what's best for you. You just can't see that now and know that. And, and that, again, is where our faith and trust is in, is in, is in what, what God always promises to do. Yes, Deb? Yeah, so Scripture, uh, so for those of you online, uh, Deb said that, uh, that the, the, the Lord, uh, death sometimes is the best thing. And I wouldn't say yet that it's the ultimate healing. What's, what's the ultimate healing that we look forward to? The resurrection. Okay, so, so that is the raising of the body in the flesh. Um, and so death for us now, and, and make sure you understand how Scripture speaks, is a rest from one's labors. Okay, um, it's a sleeping in Christ, not a sleeping like what you do at night. Okay, similar to that, because do you do, you do work at night when you're sleeping? I mean, do you go cut the yard? If you get up and cut the yard while you're sleeping, you need to go see your doctor. That's called sleep lawn mowing or something, 
okay? That's not good. <laughs> um, but no, you don't. You rest. And so there, there's a rest from labors, uh, from works, um, you know, uh, and, and that's what sleep is intended. So the death of a Christian is, is a rest from their labors. No more work is to be done. Um, and there is now one thing that the saints look forward to that are gathered under the altar. And uh, the book of Revelation talks a lot about this. They look forward to the return of Christ. There's one thing they yearn for, Christ's return, the resurrection. Why? New heaven, new earth, bodies, reunion, okay, of the saints. Um, and, 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 and that's a good thing. So, um, so yes, uh, I mean, in the one sense, death here, of course, is the result of sin. Okay, um, getting old or just suffering and dying in general is hard work. Okay, and I've been told by many, many older people that it's the hardest thing they've ever done in their life. <laughs> okay, it is getting old, um, even becoming an invalid, you know, mental issues. I've seen that with family and countless members over the years, uh, but I've also seen the Lord at work through that. And the Lord always has good use for you, regardless of what your mental or phys- mental faculties or physical abilities are. If you yet have breath in your body, the Lord has a use for you, <laughs> okay? And, and trust Him for that. That's why we don't take life into our own hands, which is what the devil would teach. And that would be things like assisted suicide or, or hastening or bringing my death quickly, okay? Um, you know, so human beings are not... You know, I grew up on a farm. What did we do when we had a pig with a broken leg? We put it down and we ate it. Okay? How about a horse? Off to the glue factory. Not, never, never to the glue factory. That, I think that's just, they still use, make glue out of horses? I don't know. That's just stuck in my head for some reason. I'm sorry. You don't want to be inside here. And um, so, but yeah, but, but we, we are not, Animals, in that sense, we, we've been given now the breath of life. And so that, that's, a, that's a big difference uh, with that. Um, and look at how society treats that. And I can go into a whole uh, Lutherans for Life spiel here with the emphasis that's placed on a, a nest of eagle's eggs compared to an unba- unborn baby in the womb um, or a whale, you know, or any other animal. Um, and there's no protection for the little ones. And that's just, it's just horrible. All right, let's move on. Uh, this I will. Where, whoa, 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 whoa. Is that right? This, this I will know that if it were Christ or his mother who were laid low by illness, everybody would be so solicitous and would gladly become a servant or helper. Everyone would want to be bold and fearless. Nobody would flee, but everybody would come running. Where am I? Oh, okay. Well, that's what I thought. I don't know. But I'm, I'm thinking about the Indy 500. No, I'm not. I'm just but whoever serves the sick for the sake of God's gracious promise, though he may accept a suitable reward to which he is entitled, inasmuch as every labor is worthy of his hire, pay attention here, Gina, whoever does so has the great assurance that he shall in turn be cared for. God himself shall be his attendant and his physician too. And what an attendant he is. I read this already, didn't I? What a physician... Friend, what are all the physicians, apothecaries, and attendants in comparison to God? Should that not encourage one to go and serve a sick person, even though he might have as many contagious boils on him as hairs on his body, and though he might be bent double carrying a hundred plague-ridden bodies? What do all kinds of pestilence or devils mean over against God who binds and obliges himself to be our attendant and physician? 
Shame and more shame on you, you out and out unbeliever. And Luther, he, this man just goes at it. Hang on because we're going to get to the next page and he's just kind of going to call you out, uh, you and me out as sinners. Shame and shame. Um, so we, we now become unbelievers when we are failing to look to God and trust he's, he's at work. Um, letting yourself become more frightened by some small boil or some uncertain danger than emboldened by such sure and faithful promises of God. What would avail? What would it avail you if all physicians in the entire world were at your service, but God were not present? Good question. Again, what harm could overtake you if the whole world were to desert you, and no physician would remain with you, but God would abide with you with His assurance? And stop here and just close your eyes, and I want you to think a little bit about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was literally left alone at the cross. At some point, everybody deserted him, to the point that who was left? Just a centurion, just a squad of soldiers, okay? Now, they left at various times, and, you know, perhaps they needed to go have some supper uh, or, or Mary became ill. We don't know all the details, but eventually Jesus was left alone at the cross. Okay? His disciples, first things they did, they fled. Okay? Uh, John was, was basically the last one left, and, um, and Jesus gives uh, John to his mother and his mother to John. That's household. That's authority. That's care. Uh, that's one of the three offices or estates, so that's important to Jesus that uh, his mother now have a man who will speak and care for her, even though she's obviously older, okay? Um, compare and contrast that to our society where everybody's an individual. I've got my individual rights, my individual freedom, da-da-da-da, that's, that's not from Scripture, folks, okay? All of us are supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to be submissive to one another according to the order that God has given us, okay? Um, so th that, that's for another Bible study. Uh, but it flies in the face of <laughs> uh, some of our uh, American and just worldly culture. Um, do you not know that you are surrounded as by thousands of angels who watch over you in such a way that you can indeed trample upon the plague? Now, think about that. I think the angels get forgotten. Is that fair? Okay. Um, I know uh, we had some angels at work protecting our boys this last week. Um, in, the, in the situation they had to deal with. Uh, and, you know, the Lord is always at work in some way, shape, or form. And so you're never alone. And while we take the precautions that we need to take and we be smart, uh, the Lord has so many extra layers <laughs> of security that I think we just completely forget about that. Okay? Uh, and the angels especially care for the little ones. Don't forget about that. Uh, but uh, each of us as believers... We have angels watching over us. And I'm sure all of us here, we could probably spend the next hour if we wanted to pass the mic around telling a, a story or something that happened in our lives that was somewhat, wow, that had to have been God at work. Because what should have happened, according to all the science and laws of the universe, is this. And so we must not forget that, 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 that you know, even the, in the angels, that God is at work. Let's read Psalm 91 together. You ready? He has given his angels charge of you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the adder and trample the young lion and the serpent underfoot. Wow. Let me just say wow. 
right? Now, we don't tempt God like the Pentecostal preacher did back where I used to be in Arkansas who was a snake handler and ended up getting bit and dying. You don't tempt God in that way. Go grab an adder, a poisonous snake, and say, I've got control over you, snake. <laughs> you know, the snake is still poisonous, but, but, but God promises that, that he's, he's going to protect you. And, and what he is going to allow for you ultimately will also be for your good. Okay? Questions on that? Therefore, yes, Malachi. God was punishing the snake handler. I don't know that I would, I would just say that was a stupid thing to do. Um, you know, I, I, who can know the mind of God? I mean, was God, you know, I, I think the faith and trust that this man was placing um, was not solely in Christ. It was, it was a misunderstanding of God's words, right? He was also using it to show that uh, he was the anointed prophet in that place. So now you'll know that I'm your pastor because I can handle snakes, and that gives me authority, okay? What gives me authority to be your pastor? Number one, you've said so. You, the body of Christ in this place, have called me and Pastor Grady to be your pastors, and that's what God says to do, okay? Secondly, we follow under those qualifications, okay? Um, I don't mind snakes, but I don't play with them, okay? That wouldn't make me a pastor, so his faith and trust is not specifically in God's word. Um, could God have been punishing him in that way? Yes. I think that's possible. Absolutely. As Luther said, I think that's a, that's a tempting, of, tempting of God, right? So in the same way, you don't go driving. Did you catch this on the news? They had another guy that did the cannonball run that now holds the record for this. Okay. Um, so the, the cannonball run, cross country, some of your gearheads in here know about it. And um, and whatever whoever this person was that did it, it could not have been legal, because he hit speeds of over 180 miles an hour. I mean, he's got they they show video if you go on YouTube, and he's passing cars on the highway, and I'm like, oh my goodness, right? Uh, and uh, you know, so you say, oh, I've got angels watching over me. I can drive 175 miles an hour on 465. <laughs> Do I need to say more? Okay. God's probably going to allow uh, or cause something to happen. Okay, um, so just don't don't tempt God in that way. Okay. Do we have free will to make decisions here in this life? Yes, you do. Your will, however, is bound in sin. So Jesus said, uh, "You did not cho- choose me; I chose you." Okay. So in terms of uh, spiritual matters, we are are dead. That's why Luther wrote his book, Bondage of the Will, in response to Erasmus's Freedom of the Will. So you have free will to make decisions here. Uh, does God know that you're going to be stupid sometimes and make bad decisions? Yes. Are you his sheep? Is he still going to care for you? Yeah. You as a sheep might decide to, instead of turning right into the sheep pen where there's a nice meal waiting for you, you know, turn left and wander off into the wilderness. And what does the good shepherd do? He goes and grabs you by the neck and drags you back, right? So the, the Holy Spirit is, is unseen, unrelenting, you know, and sometimes as pastors, we, we really, the situations that keep us up at night are sheep that have wandered off or are making really bad, stupid decisions or stuck in sin, 
and we get to a point where we feel we've done everything we can do, right? Because you can't live people's lives for them, correct? And if you're a parent, you understand how this goes. <laughs> what ultimately does your faith trust in? That God knows, and what's he going to do? What's he going to continue to do? He's going to continue to try and, and bring them back in different ways. And so whether as a pastor or a parent, that brings great comfort and yet hope. Okay? So we keep doing that. Uh-oh, didn't answer his question. Your faith grabs hold of where ultimately is all of God's punishment for sin. You should continue to examine your life. A Christian's life is one of repentance. And so what do you know that God has said? That's what you have the Bible. So Ten Commandments. That's why you know the Ten Commandments. You can know, in a nutshell, what is sin and what is not sin. And you can know that when you transgress holy law, okay, there will be repercussions to that here in this life. Okay? And if you fail to repent and say, well, I don't care what God's law says. You know, so God says, fourth commandment, honor not only your mother and father, but the other authorities. And you say, okay, other authorities are the state, the government, and the trooper who's got lights flashing behind me while I'm going 175 miles an hour on 465. And I, I don't deserve a ticket. I'm not sorry. Okay, now that also becomes a lack of faith. Okay, so I'd say for any question that is wrestling with uh, what, you know, you are doing wrong um, or that, that's a good thing. It shows that you are concerned about what God says and and what he cares, but then I would also make sure that you hear a heavy dose of the gospel, that for all of your sin, the things you've done and left undone, Christ Jesus, your Savior, died for you, shed his blood to cover you, and you're robed with that righteousness. So when God looks at you, who does he see? Does he see Malachi or Marcus or Jim and, and all of their sins? No. He sees Jesus, and that's, that's beautiful, precious gospel that we cling to, okay? Okay, any other questions? Good one, okay. Where are we at? Help me out. Therefore, yes, thank you, that's an easy one. Therefore, dear friends, let us not become so desperate as to desert our own, whom we are duty-bound to help and flee in such a cowardly way from the terror of the devil, or allow him the joy of mocking us and vexing and distressing God and all his angels. For it is certainly true that he who despises such great promises and commands of God and leaves his own people destitute violates all of God's laws and is guilty of the murder of his neighbor when he whom he abandons. I fear that in such a case God's promise will be reversed and changed into horrible threats, and Psalm 41 will then read this way against them, Accursed is he who does not provide for the needy but escapes and forsakes them. The Lord, in turn, will not spare him in evil days, but will flee from him and desert him. The Lord will not preserve him and keep him alive and will not prosper him on earth, but will deliver him into the hands of his enemies. The Lord will not refresh him on his sickbed nor take him from the couch of his illness. Okay. For quote, read Matthew 7, 2 with me. 
The measure you give will be the measure you get. Now, nothing else can come of it. It is terrible to hear this, more terrible to be waiting for this to happen, most terrible to experience it. What else can happen if God withdraws his hand and forsakes us except sheer devilment and every kind of evil? It cannot be otherwise if against God's command one abandons his neighbor. This fate will surely overtake anyone of this sort unless he sincerely repents. So this I well know, that if it were Christ or his mother who were laid low by illness, haven't I read this already? <laughs> yeah, but I stopped. Everybody would be so solicitous and would gladly become a servant or helper. Everyone would want to be bold and fearless. Nobody would flee, but everyone would come running. So what he's saying is, hey, you know, if, if you heard Jesus was in need, you probably would be more prone to go and help. But your neighbor, not so much, right? So you know who these people are in your life, your close friends and family. You'll drop everything to help them. But what about somebody you barely know or somebody you don't like? <laughs> so that identifies now, I mean, our sinful nature. So who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is actually everybody. And as much as we would drop everything, if my dad called me today and said, you know, help I've fallen and I can't get up, it's kind of a joke, uh, you know, but I need something done later today or tomorrow and nobody else is there, what am I going to do? I'm going to call Pastor Grady and say, hey, I'm taking a couple of personal days. I need to go help my dad. But would I be so prone to do that if my next door neighbor, okay, and I have two different neighbors, one I'm more prone to help and one I'm not. You understand what I'm saying? And the Bible says what? Right? So, so now I recognize my sin, and, and I should you know, perfectly expect if I fail to help either of my neighbors, God might have something to say about that. Okay? Uh, so yes, repercussions here, Malachi, in this life. Uh, what do I trust? What do I confess? What God has done through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Who can save me, Paul says? I'm a wretched man. The good I want to do, I don't do. The bad that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Thanks be to God, Christus Victor, who's given me the victory through Jesus Christ, okay? Because no amount of, of our trying to get it right will ultimately be good enough, okay? First service people, connect that to what we heard from our readings and what I preached to you about. Late service people, just wait for it. We'll get there. Okay, let's finish this up, and then we'll be done for today. <sighs> this is only page five. I really was planning on finishing this today. Um, okay, where this I will know. Everyone would want to be bold and furious. Nobody would flee. And yet they don't hear what Christ himself says. Read it with me. As you did to one of the least, you did it to me. And so when he speaks of the greatest commandment, he says, read it with me, the other commandment is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there you hear that the command to love your neighbor is, is equal to the greatest commandment to love God. And that what you do or fail to do for your neighbor means doing the same to God. If you wish to serve Christ and to wait on him, very well. You have your sick neighbor close at hand. Go to him and serve him. And you will surely find Christ in him, not outwardly, but in his word. If you do not wish or care to serve your neighbor, you can be sure that if Christ lay there instead, you would not do so either and would let him lie there. Those are nothing but illusions on your part which puff you up with vain pride, namely that you would really serve Christ if he were there in person. Those are nothing but lies. Whoever wants to serve Christ in person would surely serve his neighbor as well. 
This is said as an admonition and encouragement against fear and a disgraceful flight to which the devil would tempt us so that we would disregard God's command in our dealings with our neighbor. So we would fall into sin on the left hand. Okay, we'll stop there for today because we're out of time. Um, so he talks about sin on the left hand, sin on the right hand. Um, this, again, a little bit of a tale of two cities uh, in terms of the simul, saint and sinner, that sort of thing. So the new man in you, uh, the saint, that which the Holy Spirit has created, uh, does always desire to do those things. And, and thus we encourage, admonish, uh, you know, speak to uh, the new man in that regards because the old man can't be reformed, okay? But more on that another time. Uh, we won't go any further with that. Uh, so you, uh, you are blessed more than you probably realize. Angels protecting you. Uh, and so uh, when it comes to serving your neighbor and serving God, the Lord promises that uh, he will be with you. And, uh, and even should death come as a result of fill in the blank, whatever it is, COVID-19 or otherwise, uh, the, the Lord will protect you, okay? Any other questions or comments? One quick one, Deb. Thank you, Deb. The Lord continues to provide in many various ways. Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us always to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.